Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver, wife, mama, CEO, and co-creator of Black Love. Listen, I'm so excited to announce my new podcast called My New BFF with Cody Elaine Oliver. That's right, fam. Join me as I talk to people who you know, people you should know, and people you're definitely going to want to get to know after our conversation. I love being able to get beyond what you see on social media or TV or whatever their public image is and really get to know a person. And trust me, we will be getting deep. I'm telling you, by the end of each episode, you'll understand why I want each of these people as my new BFF, and you'll be calling them your new BFF too. So keep an eye out on wherever you get your podcasts and get ready to join me as I find my new BFF. Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. The first thing of marriage is like, who remembers what and how you remember the story? That's always the interesting part. How do we meet Tony? Well, it's been 26 years, so... it's been 28, uh, but go ahead, since we met. We've been married 26. How did we meet? Um, like, it was like two times, like... Okay. Initially right. at the Regency. Okay, keep going. He's right, right. so far. Okay. My friend Thomas introduced us. Yeah. And... Um, I said hi. Well, kind of, yeah, okay. That's, that's about it. That's the first meeting. That was the first meeting. You talked to me, though. Okay. Yeah, and we, did. we chatted a bit. We chatted a bit. Then um, the second meeting was at a club. He is so good. You're right. Right. And he yeah. was sitting down talking to my friend, Robbie Reed. Reed. He's a casting yeah. director. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you did like this to I me. I sure did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, uh, me? <laughs> and uh, I walked over to you and we started chatting. Yeah, we sure did. Yeah. That's you up for a date? No, no, no that, was the, that was the, that came along after. Then about, this is, and actually this is 28 years ago, this, this past December 2014. So then, after that happened, because he's right, um, I was out with my girlfriend who happened to go to high school with him. And my, my point of view was, uh, I had been going to the Regency West, which used to host the Comedy Act Theater for like a year. Uh, my friend who I went to school with, whom he ended up going to school with because his friend Thomas was a freshman when I was a senior at Ohio University. And when I graduated, he transferred to Morehouse. Well, I didn't know this, right? I run into Thomas when I move here to Los Angeles. At just happenstance, I start going to the Regency West to see the Comedy Act Theater, and Thomas, um, you know, was managing there. One day, in no, it was like uh, November, I never forget, it was like a November of 1986. Gosh, you remember dates I remember so well. dates. I remember all that, honey. That's our job. That's what women do. Because <laughs> we know you're not going to remember. Oh, I lose so miserably. Yeah, you, you would. You, you would lose. But anyway, so Thomas, uh, it was like November and Tony was back home to do your, you were at Children's Hospital doing a 
Yeah, I was doing a rotation. A rotation. He's, yeah. He was still in medical school. And I plucked him while he was young. But anyway, uh, and I said, oh, my God, he is so cute. And I just happened to turn to Thomas. I said, Thomas, who is that? He is so cute. Now, I don't know why I asked Thomas this, because I'm standing back at the bar. Thomas bought me a glass of wine, and I'm just talking to Thomas. I'm like, he is so cute. He said, oh, that's Tony Calloway. We went to Morehouse together. I'm like, Thomas, when did you go to Morehouse? You went to Ohio University with me. He said, no, Vanessa, you graduated. I transferred. So then he called Tony over and introduced us. So then fast forward. Uh, you don't remember this one then. We, we actually saw each other again at a club before the Robbie incident. And you were with our good friend now, Tracy Friley. But I didn't know that she was your friend. I thought it was his girlfriend. And my heart sank to my knees. I said, oh, there goes that cute guy again. And he's got a girlfriend. And I was just like bummed out. But I didn't know that was his friend. She ended up being a hostess at our wedding, actually. So then fast forward again, I'm out with Robbie Reed. And we're at the club. And I see him again. I said, oh, Robbie, that guy is so cute. She said, who, Tony Calloway? I'm like, why does everybody know this Tony Calloway? She said, well, we went to high school together. And that's what I did like this. And he came over and he said, and talked to us for a while. And then we saw each other. Um, then I was gearing to go back on all my children, remember? Yep. And I was at the Regency, oh, which yeah, was the Comedy right. Act Theater. It was a Thursday night and I almost didn't go. For all those singing women out there, follow your instinct. Because it was a bad night for me. I just was having a bad day. And I almost stayed in. And I really wrestled with go out, stay in, go out, stay in. And I said, forget it, I'm going to go. And I went. And I was not really, like, really cute that night. I was kind of looking a little toe up, but I just went. And then uh, Robin Harris, God rest his soul, he was the MC of the Comedy Act Theater. And he announced to the audience. He says, everybody, Vanessa Bell is going back on all my children. She's leaving. Because it's like a Thursday. I'm literally leaving that Monday. Uh, and this is, see, this, I'm going to get him again. This was uh, December 16th because our first date was the next day, which was December 17th. And he said, uh, Vanessa Bell is going back uh, to New York. Everybody wish her well. And then you remember what happened from that? Do you remember how you asked me out on the date? I said, oh, you're leaving? Yeah, he did. <laughs> And I said, hey, would you like to go out? You sure did. Yeah. Yep. And so that very next day, we went out. And uh, this is my favorite part of the story. We went on one date and we've never been apart. Mm-hmm. And that true. night, two different people stopped us and told us what a cute couple we were. And that was our first date. <laughs> you know, the first time we had just met, so we didn't really know each other. But I know what happened to that time of the day when you met me. There's one guy that was kind of trying to talk to me. He saw us talking and he came up. Remember that? He came up and he kind of interrupted the conversation, which Tony being a gentleman, he turned around and and left. And I was like looking at this dude like, really? You barely talked to me. But now you see somebody talking to me and now you all of a sudden you want to make your presence known. Now I remember that's what happened on that first time. And then the second time he was with his friend. And then, you know, the third time, I guess it was right. Probably during that time, I was home on rotation. You know, I wasn't real familiar with L.A. at that point in time. I had been away for a while. And she was a star. She was a TV actress. And I was like, okay, that's Hollywood. You know, so that was, you know, out of my realm of just even thinking of the potential of dating somebody there. I knew I was going back to uh, to Nashville. And uh, I had some girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, people were trying to date me too. You ain't the only one that had somebody. So, so hey, I, w- I was good, but uh, you know, I was you know well, didn't that want one to... date, huh, baby? Hey. Got gotcha, you, huh, baby? Got gotcha. oh, you. Yeah. But you know what? The interesting thing is that was the first time 
I had really been honest in life with girls because I actually called my girlfriend up and said, well, you know what? I've met somebody. But you know what's funny? Yeah. I wasn't dating that's... anybody, but I had a couple of people that were like, you know, trying to get with me. And we discovered this later on as we talked about as, as our relationship grew. We both did the same thing, not knowing each other had done that. Because I called the people that were like trying to call me and say, you know what? Don't call me anymore. I've met somebody. And he did the same thing. Yeah. We went to the movies. Yeah, we went to the movies. And... um I started feeling on her legs. <laughs> I and mean, I didn't stop them. <laughs> it was like, just soft. And then, oh my goodness. I was like, and she was just, I was always looking for that, you know, a, a brown, just chocolate. And just with a, I call it a subcompact body. And she just had it all. So, uh, Initially, being a man, I was, I mean, I was just right there with that. <laughs> hey, just being honest. <laughs> just being honest. Unless you should be, sweetie. But for me, um, I don't know, when I met Tony that first night, I, I felt something that I hadn't felt before. Of course, you know, he, you know, women, we are so much far advanced than men. We're so much far advanced than you guys. We really are. And I saw a whole lot that he hadn't even seen yet. And I knew that he hadn't arrived to where I had been, but he would get there. He would catch up with me. So by the time we had our first date, and what's, what really I remember that first date is the conversation. Little, and it was very little things like, oh, you know, when's your birthday? I said, oh, my birthday's March 20th. He said, my mother's March 21st. I'm like, wow, when's your birthday? He said, my birthday's March, I mean, my birthday's July 6th. I said, my mother's July 8th. And all those little things for me were signs. I was like, are you kidding? You know, so we talked about just every, just as you start talking, it's just so much we had in common. And we laughed and we stayed up all night just laughing and talking and it was just once we found that bond I mean literally that was a that was a Friday he took me to the airport that Monday we stayed together all weekend oops he took me to the airport that Monday I did exactly what I told my girls not to do but anyway uh we <laughs> took me to the airport and it was on we were we were inseparable and I flew back for Super Bowl I remember because I was right around Christmas, I flew back Super Bowl. And I had a, a ex-boyfriend in New York that was still trying to, you know, figure out what he wanted to do. I was over him, but he wasn't quite over me. And I remember I had to tell him basically like, no, I've met someone. And he was like, I'll marry you. I said, but I don't want to marry you. You know, so that was, um, it was a defining moment because for, you know, for, for the first time in your life, you're really clear about who you want and, and what it is. And, and for some reason, I had no question that this was, it was right. This is what happened. So now you got to look at, this is January, right? Uh, 1987. So we, for six months till June, we're back and forth. He came to visit me in New York, but mainly I did the traveling because I was on all my children. So I literally would like, you know, soap operas, you may work three days, four days. So say if I was off work on a Wednesday and I didn't have to be back to work to the following Tuesday, I told my agent, I said, look, don't book nothing else for me. I'm trying to get married. I can't get married if I'm here working. So I know, I seriously told him that. I mean, I decided to put my relationship, you know, as make it as important as my business. So I would take a suitcase to all my children. I would finish shooting. I would get a cab. I would go to LaGuardia. 
and I would fly to, to Nashville. And I'd be there till the day before I had to work, I'd fly back. And I did that for like six months back and forth. So then come June, what do you graduate in June, right? June. June, he graduated from medical school and miraculously, I was written out of all my children again. And they were like, oh, we're so sorry. I was like, no, no, thank you, great. I, can't, <laughs> I need to be done because he's going back to LA. I need to go too. So we both went back to LA. And this is what's funny. He asked me to move in with him. And now I'm 30 because I had a birthday in March and I have never lived with a man. I had never been engaged. I'd never been married and I had never lived with anybody. I've always taken care of myself and no one's ever paid my rent by this time. Nothing. Right. I was very independent. And I told him, I said, I've never lived with anybody. And my mother always told me, why buy the cow if you could get the milk free? And I called my mother and I asked permission because at 30, because I just didn't feel right about it because that's not how I was raised. And he said, I tell you what, by December, either we'll, you know, we'll be planning our wedding or we'll break up because I told him I wasn't trying to be the, you know, eternal girlfriend. I was very clear on my intentions with him. I was very clear. I told him I wasn't into sport Mm -hmm. and that I wasn't, you know, trying to be the eternal girlfriend and that, you know, what was important to me is because I had relationships where men, when they realize they have this great girl, they go like, oh, but then that's going to stop me from getting all these other women. So then they do stupid stuff to mess up the relationship. And I remember saying to him very clearly, I need to know that if you wake up one morning and you realize you're in love with me, that's going to be okay. And you'll be willing to go further and see where it goes. And on the other hand, if you wake up and you decide I'm not the one, you need to let me know right away because I know that I want a family and I don't want to waste my time on something that's not going to happen. So he was like, okay, (laughs) he's very easy. He was like, okay. And so once we put our parameters in place and he said, well, come and live with me. And we worked that out. We lived together in June and that December he asked me to marry him in a very strange way, but he asked me. (laughs) Well, I mean, well, let me just tell everybody that life was very comfortable. (laughs) That six months, my wife used to wake up with me. I used to wake up early to start my, I was doing my internship. So I was waking up at like six in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. She'd wake up with me, cook me breakfast. Let me tell you, I was working hard, but life was very comfortable. She made it very comfortable for me. So during that six month period, that December came, I was like, this heaven must be like this. So I proposed, but I mean, she knew that December was the day to, you know, make that obligation. So I called her up. She was home visiting. And I said, baby, guess what? You're going to get married this year. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I am. He said, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. My brother was ill and I had to fly back to Cleveland. It was New Year's Eve. And, um... We were we had big New Year's Eve plans, but it was mine where it kind of interrupted because I had to just fly out unnoticed, you know. It was like right after Christmas, I had to get on a plane and go home. And he, he survived. But anyway, so Tony was still going out with all of our friends. And it was 9 o'clock, L.A. time, midnight, you know, Cleveland time. And I called him and he said, he said exactly what he said. He said, baby, you get married this year. I said, I am. He said, uh-huh. And so I got off the phone. I said, Mom, I think Tony just proposed to me. I'm not quite sure. (laughs) So when he picked me up from the airport that January, whatever, after New Year's, uh, we stopped to eat. And he said, so what weekend you want to get married? What what day do you want to get married? 
But I had to tell everybody, it wasn't me who said it's got to be by this date. He's the one who said by December, either we'll get married or, you know, we will decide what to do from there. So it was him. It wasn't me with this ultimatum, like December, I've got to have a date. It wasn't me. It was him. But I think she probably like planted it in my head <laughs> some kind of way, you know. <laughs> but let me tell you what I did do. You know, I was really cool that six months. I didn't put out any brides magazines. I did nothing. I didn't even bring up the word wedding. Girl, I had the brides magazine stashed in the corner. I had bought my shoes already up at the top. Of the- I saw these shoes on sale. I bought the shoes for my gown and put them. I'm like, he is so done. This is so over. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> you know, my parents have been married forever and for me it was like you know finish college finish medical school uh, start your residency start a family it was just a natural progression so um, I wasn't afraid at all and uh, I know the most important thing was finding somebody that I was compatible with I could love I could trust that would be my backbone and um, and one of the things, I mean, being together for like over a little over a year now, um, I had a lot of things, I, a lot of hurdles that I had to go over. And she was definitely my backbone in me pursuing those goals. And, you know, and, and you know, that was important. And then having the kids and that whole bit, I knew that she was the one and that she had the strength to, uh, for me to move on and tackle all the things that, you know, you know, now it's all the past, but, <laughs> and it's been a whole lot of things. She's definitely my little warrior, so <laughs> That's I right, definitely baby. did good. I picked the right one. <laughs> but and when you're starting off, you just have those, those little things to go from, but it was enough to tell me that she was the right one. Well, you know, as little girls, we fantasize about marriage and babies. And I was in, you know, an exception to the rule. I was very, um, very much in the same realm as every other little girl I knew. And coming from a home that didn't have a mother that was married to my father and uh, didn't have a father figure until my mother married my stepfather, I was really sure that I, that didn't bother me because I knew what I wanted and I was sure and determined that I would be a good wife and mother. And I wasn't going to be, we didn't use this term back in the day, but I wasn't going to be a baby mama. I had made a promise to myself I was not having children out of wedlock. I just wasn't. Because in my family, you know, and I'm not saying anything against the women in my family, you know, my mother included, they all were great women. They raised children, beautiful children. They did their best. But I didn't want that to be me. I didn't choose to have that life where I was going to be a single mother if I could help it. Uh, And I didn't want to be a baby mama. I didn't just want to have some random dude's baby who didn't make a commitment to me and the child. So it's, you know, we all have choices in life. So it was a choice for me. We've been pretty lucky. We haven't had any, like, major catastrophes that were just, like, what most people deal with on an everyday basis. Making sure your taxes are paid. Making sure the bills are done. Making sure the kids get to school. We've just had life issues. We, we We haven't had issues between each other. No. No, no, no. We, you know, and another thing I'm very proud of, and I, I say this, is that first date we went on. When I say we've been together ever since, we have never almost broken up, discussed breaking up, broken up, gotten back together, never. In 28 years, we have never, never been apart. And it, it, like breaking up was never an option. 
It was never even discussed. It never, we never even got mad at each other enough. The words like, I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you. That just never happened. So well, we can't even argue because if I, if I like, <laughs> like, what? Her? You're raising your voice. <laughs> and then she won't talk no more. And then so you can't argue with nobody. They don't start talking. Right. <laughs> so there's never no argument. So whatever you're going to argue about, like after a day or two of somebody just not talking to you, you'd be like, <laughs> Why well, give up? What what was it we were mad about? You know, okay, whatever. You know, just say something to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did I do? Whatever I did, I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess so, I did do that. <laughs> so you know, that's, that's interesting. So it really says it really takes two to like to argue to argue. <laughs> so when one person just like as soon as it just shut down. It's like it goes away, whatever that little problem or whatever. It's never really important has. anyway, right? Usually. <laughs> it doesn't mean to fight. You can't argue. You can't. Well, you know, I'm that person. I shut down because I have to, like, think about it and I have to, like, kind of comprehend and breathe it and live it and just decipher what's going on before I really say what I have to say. And then I can I can express what I need to express after I've kind of lived with it, you know? And so, I mean, that's just, we all have our idiosyncrasies. I guess that's what a mind is, put up with it. But, and I, I am obsessive. I don't like him to get, when he gets, cause he's that quiet person. So when he gets mad, it like flips and he doesn't go from like, you know, cool to medium. He goes from cool to like really hot. And I just, you know, it, I don't like that. And it, you know, it hurts my feelings. <laughs> It can be a dark world sometimes. Don't be afraid to be a source of light. It can be a dark world sometimes. Don't be afraid to be a source of light. Peace, good people. I'm Kariga Bailey. And I'm Felicia Gangloff Bailey. And you might know us from our episode of Black Love Doc, but that was only part of our story. Yes, as newly empowered angel parents, we found that there's been this radical tenderness and gentleness afforded us concerning our grief. Mm -hmm. And it's been unlike anything we've seen or experienced in our work surrounding social justice and gun violence in our communities. Now, this work has really shown us and taught us that grief is love. And although we acknowledge that grief is tremendously complex and difficult to experience, we also believe grief is sacred. And that's why Felicia and I decided to start the Soul Affirmations podcast. Yes, every week on Soul Affirmations, we will be holding space for those who are navigating grief and helping folks to remember their goodness. So join us every week starting March 24th for the Soul Affirmations podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, pull up on us. We look forward to building community with y'all. Peace. Oh my God. First of all, we didn't have all the social media, which I think really hurts a lot of people. I really think um, you guys don't know how to talk on the phone anymore. And texting is not talking. You cannot decide someone's tone or their intentions from a text. Uh, you're yelling at me because you use all caps. I was excited. I mean, you know, it's just it's all left up for too much interpretation. Um, I think that, you know, just posting every minute of your life. There's nothing private or sacred. We had a lot of wonderful moments, but it was our moments and no one else knew about it because it was just us, you know, right. being in love and young. 
And it's the whole fact of a lot of outside influences interfering with your life. You have outsiders that can go into the relationship that you're having between you and your boyfriend, posting different things, saying different things, commenting like, who asked for your comment? But bam, it's right there on your page. You know, like, and then, you know, they'll be like, well, why did she say this, this, that, and the other? Just say, I'm telling Ashley's boyfriend, I'm glad I don't have your problems, brother. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like, whoa, it's just too much. It's coming from all different directions and you have no control. That Instagram, ooh, that'll kill you. You got arguments and people, what, huh? You got in trouble because somebody posted something on your Instagram. And the Facebooks and the, Boy, quick, the Snapchat, what you call the there. Snapchats. Oh, Snapchat stuff. is just totally wicked. You know, so I think we were lucky because we had to really look at each other and deal with each other without anybody else. We had to communicate, yeah. which we, which is a technique that people need, young people need to learn how to develop in a relationship. You've got to communicate openly and honestly and not through, uh, some people have a full conversation and they never talk. They argue through text. They break up and get back together over text. It's like, how do you do that? You've got to be able to communicate. So, and when you learn that skill early in a relationship or a marriage, it can save you. What's up, guys? This is Anthony Clark. And I'm Melanie Clark. And we've got some exciting news for you all. Now, most of you know us from season four of The Black Love Dog, but what you might not know is that Anthony and I have been successful life and relationship coaches for over 20 years. That's right. And we're bringing our revolutionary style to our brand new podcast, The Amazing Clocks. Every week, we're going to get down to the emotional, mental, and energetic causes underlying the lack of your success in your romantic life and in your personal life. And we'll be giving you tangible advice that will get you the wins that you deserve. Don't believe us? Tune in each week, and I guarantee you that you're going to find out right away why we have an industry-shattering 90% client success rate. So make sure to keep an eye out for our brand new podcast, The Amazing Clarks, coming up on March 16th on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Well, my dad says I married my mom, (laughs) and maybe I did. (laughs) You know, she's very strong. I always wanted a woman that could, like, if something happened to me or whatever, could, like, take over and handle everything. Or if if I was gone, that could just step in my shoes and just carry on. And she's definitely that. I mean... I can, I mean, she's, I mean, whenever we even step or or meet, like we're at a scratch line, I mean, I just step back because she's going to just jump at it so hardcore. (laughs) I'm just like, let me just step back and just let her deal. It's like, uh, you know, I don't have to worry at all. So, um, you know, I'm happy. You know, I'm lucky to be in that position. Yeah, what I love about my my sweet Tony is that um, he is such a great when I tell you great provider, uh, father and husband and friend. Um, and you know, and this is something that's really important for people to hear. You know, when you say I do that day, you really mean it that day. You really do, and you really hope that it's going to last forever. 
you were sincere that day. And as we see, some people's I do last for two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. But if you would have told me uh, 26 years ago that I was going to love him more today than I did the day that I said I do, I would have hoped that that would have been the case. But I would have had to wait to see if that came into fruition. And when I tell you that I love him more today than I did when I said I do, September 3rd, 1988. And for so many reasons, because I think he's so smart. Um, he's such a good leader of our family. Um, and, you know, and, he, and he's made mistakes. We all have. But but he takes ownership. You know, he doesn't blame, you know, people or me or, you know, he's not that person that comes home mad at, at work. And so he chews everybody's head off. He knows how to separate the work from the family. And he's just so chilled that he, I used to be a lot more high strung and he just really chilled me out a li little bit more. And he's my biggest um, supporter and my worst critic. And he's the first one always pushing me out like, really, you, you're not going to do that? I think you should do it. But he'll do it in a way I'm like this. <laughs> you know, I think because I know he's right, you know, and then I just rise to the occasion and I do it. So he's always pushing me, which you need somebody who's in your corner, who sees in you sometimes when you want to cower in a corner and don't want to face it or but they see they won't let you get away with it. That's this one. <laughs> I was the one who stepped back because he couldn't. His job, not that my job isn't as demanding, but especially when the kids were little. He had to go to work. He, we got a lot going on. So I would be the one, and he never de demanded me not to do a job. I was the one who said, this job doesn't work for my family. I can't be in Toronto for six months. It's not going to work for my family. So I wouldn't even audition. If I saw the, you know, the um, particulars, the requirements of a particular job, and it didn't work with the age of my children, what my husband was doing, just my family in general, I didn't do it. Did that hurt my career? I don't know. Maybe it did. But... At that time, I chose my family over a job because at the end of the day, it was just another TV job. And it wasn't one. It had to been one that was going to be like life changing. You know, we and we've had those moments where we had to sit down and go like, OK, get a game plan. He said, no, you need to do it. And this is what we'll do. We'll, we've had those moments. But sometimes it was just like my kids are too little. I don't want to be away from my family for six months. I, You know, Tony got too much to do because he, you know, as he says, he gets paid to wake people up, not put them to sleep. So I've always tried to take as much stress off of him in the home as possible. So all he had to do was wake up and go to work. He comes home. He ain't, he don't do nothing. And I'm okay with that. I'm very old fashioned. He comes home, dinner was done. Kids were clean. They doing their homework. House is running smooth. He just needed to wake up and get to work and get home and wake up the next morning. That's all I required. <laughs> right. That was good. Yeah. That's all I required. So if it didn't work for my family, I said, no, but he never said, I'm going to answer for him. He never said, no, he went yeah. up to work. <laughs> On a day-to-day -day basis, it's really about, for us, it's about maintenance. There's no real physical disabilities that we really have to deal with. But uh, we've had issues that we've had to tackle, which have required surgeries and, and re short-term rehabilitations. But nothing that has, you know, it's like a permanent, permanent disability at this point. Those periods, they're highly emotional periods. There's, there's periods where um, family comes together and has to offer support. And um, it brings you tighter together as a family unit. And you figure a way to support that person while they're, you know, taking the medication, while they're recovering from their mm -hmm. surgery. 
and um, and you get through it. Yeah, you pray a lot. You just yeah. pray a lot. You get through it. And yeah. you just believe that you know everybody's everything's gonna work out okay. And also, then you have to look at it. <clears throat> why you, why not you? You know, you're not special. Mm-hmm. People go through this, and and it's an age thing. You know, we're in our fifties. You know, and all of our friends are in their fifties, and all of we're not the only couple that. You know, people are going through different health issues, and we're lucky. We haven't lost each other. We have friends who, you know, are starting to lose folks. So mm-hmm. it's just, um, it's just the life cycle. You stay, <laughs> you stay around long enough, you're gonna get some stuff thrown at you too. Right. You know, and, and you don't live forever. You know, yeah. I mean, you never know when your time has come, but you know, the time will come. Seasons, it's like the seasons. Yeah. So we we really have a good time. Yeah, we. So. We try to have a good time. We still go out. We still we're very social. We travel. You know, we just live life like this. Yeah. Like this past holiday, uh, we spent. Uh, we went to uh, Hong Kong and Bangkok, but we were there with our kids, the two of us, and then my parents. So you had three generations traveling together, and the young ones they were moving fast. We were moving a little slower. And my parents, they're moving real slow. <laughs> <laughs> Very slow. <laughs> but, you know, hey, it was, the beauty of it was, was we were all there, the love, and, and just watching. And so we're just passing, passing the years along. It was really great being with our kids, though. Yeah. We really enjoyed yeah. having them on vacation. Yeah. That's the only way we get them now is we bribe them with a trip. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you have their undivided attention for a week or two because they can't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> the best day. Wow, that's a hard question because we've had so many days. I know one of the best moments of our lives together was when our children were born. Yeah, that was... Like, that was amazing. Yeah. yeah just looking... Just us looking at each other we just would look at each other and just laugh you know (laughs) and that's we laugh a lot we still laugh a lot we would look at each other just like and then when we were when you were walking down the aisle (laughs) 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 and then just looking in your face and you just laughing it's like that was i was a giggly bride (laughs) you know i have people have defense mechanisms i laughed the whole way down the aisle I don't know what happened. I just, the giggles came over me and I couldn't stop giggling. And I was seeing people like, hey, I was waving at everybody in the pews. Because it was, I was nervous, obviously, you know. And he was up there, he just looked so cute and stupid at the same time, you know. Um, that was a great day, though. Yeah. Our wedding was a lot of fun. We had fun. That was fun. Our wedding was a lot of fun. But I guess for me, although I was exhausted after childbirth, just knowing that we had created these, this, it was just wonderful looking at our children, yeah. brand new. That was like something yeah. you never forget. Yeah. But we had a lot of great days. We had a lot of great family days. Yeah. For me, my prayer is that God takes care of my husband and keeps us he- happy, healthy, and alive. And just being together. We can just stay healthy. We're we can dead. just stay and stay alive. I mean, I, I want us to grow old together. I don't want to be a widow. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to be a widower. I really want us to like be in our 80s and... Still just, you know, making it along, you know. Yeah, that's just the battle now. Just yeah. staying healthy. Healthy, yeah. Staying fit. Everything else has been hard work and put in place, so that part's good. Yeah, because we're never gonna leave each other. We just So we just that's just not in our DNA, you know. And we discussed that when we got 
married? Would we ever do therapy or would we ever fight for our marriage? And we both said we would, and we've never been in a place where we've ever had to like fight to stay together. So I think mm. we're very lucky. It, it just worked, you know. We were hoping it was gonna work because we truly loved each other when we were 26 and 29 and then um, 30 and 27. You know, by the time we were getting get married and all that, and we were hoping it was going to be good, and we just lucked up. Mm-hmm. It's still good. <laughs> hey, but that health is a big issue. See, it's they don't so know good. that as, as young yeah, folks. Yeah, that's the health. See, them it's knees true. start hurting. We didn't been, we didn't been through back surgeries, <laughs> knee surgeries, cancer surgeries. Yeah, you know, like, hey. we've been, yeah, we both got back issues and it's, you know, so really at this point, we both have medicine. Did you take your medicine? Did you take your medicine? <laughs> so at this point, we just pray to be healthy and together. My advice would be this, and I think this is something that works for us. There's several things, but I always say this, and I've been quoted saying this a lot in interviews. Everybody's got to wake up and have something to do. You both have to be independent and then you'll be a couple, but you have to keep your independence. Whoever you you were when he met you and vice versa, hold on to that person. If you wake up and somebody doesn't have a life and they're waiting for the other person to come home and fulfill their life, it's going to be problems. I promise you. So you've got to wake up. You've got to have something to do. <clears throat> and then something else that was very important to me, especially um, as you start raising children, is respect the manners. In my home, we, we still say, yes, honey, thank you, sweetie. Please, would you do that? Thank you very much. I appreciate the fact that you did. you gotta have, you got to be courteous. My kids had to say, mommy, please. Thank you, mommy. Thank you, dad. Please, thank you. You know, you don't just, uh, 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 uh. you know, that's important when you're with somebody every day, day in and day out. You can't take people for granted, kindness for granted. You know, when he does something nice for you, Say, thank you, baby. I really appreciate that. And sometimes, you know, I would just tell Tony, honey, I really appreciate everything you do for the family. That would make him feel so good, you know, as opposed to just like coming home to some wicked witch of the West. And you have to uh, recognize when somebody has really done something good or well or sweet or kind and just say thank you. It's a simple thing, but it means so much to the other person. That's one of two of my things. And I would just, well, one thing I would say is never go to sleep mad with each other. (laughs) Okay. So just make up, then go to sleep. Sorry is the easy thing to say. And let him go out with his friends. Just say sorry, And let him hang out with his friends. (laughs) He said, just say sorry, brother. (laughs) Just apologize, even when it's not your fault. (laughs) Because they aren't going anywhere. (laughs) But let him go out with his friends, too. Those women who are like, you know, just smother their husbands. That's not going to work. He's got friends. Get yourself some girlfriends. And he don't want to be your girlfriend. He don't want to go shopping with you. He don't want to sit up with you and your girlfriends and have wine and chitty chat. So do your girlfriends when you need to do your girlfriends. And let him go do his guy thing. And then y'all get together and do something else. You know? 